Good morning, everyone. Good morning. How are we doing? Good. How's the joy levels? <laughs> so in my house, um, I tidied my study at Christmas, and now there's all these junky Christmas boxes I haven't put in a loft, including the Christmas tree. It really, it kind of irritates me. It's a bashed-up box, and I just, sometimes it's an old plastic thing. I just want to chuck it in a bin. I don't, <laughs> um, and I need to sort my study out again. And then I went to, uh, well, I had a really great break, and then I, I went uh, three weeks in, went to get my coffee out in the microwave, had to reheat the second cup. And it's like, oh, man, I've got this muscle knot in my back. It's like a first-world problem getting your coffee out. So it really has worn off, okay? So we're, we're kind of digging deep because we're going into our series on finding joy. Uh, it's Philippians. Uh, this is our second session. Rob just really expanded out the theme and laid all the groundwork on this word from Scripture and into the first chapter. This week we're going a bit more into that. Um, so we're looking at this next section, Joy Despite Circumstances. And uh, it's very foundational to understand joy, and as we go on in the book, develop it more. Um, it's really foundational just to understand Paul's mind and where he was at um, physically, practically, as we, we look at this theme that is so strong in the book of Philippians. Um, so I'm going to read the passage, and then we're going to um, go through it together. So this is Philippians 1, 12 to 26. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. It's true that some preach Christ out of envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, and supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what's it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice, for I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. I eagerly expect and hope that I will in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage, so that now, as always, Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. For to me, to live is Christ, and to die is gain. If I am to go on living in a body, this means fruitful labor for me. Yet what shall I choose? I don't know. I am torn between the two. I desire to depart and be with Christ, which is better by far, but it is more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know that I will remain, and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ Jesus will abound on account of me. So, I don't know, can you see the, there's a picture I've put on the screen that is an island. Um, does anyone know this location? 
Ah, well done. Yeah, you can tell who does the sci-fi thing. Um, well, I didn't put Michaela down for that. She was fast. <laughs> She's just on the ball this morning. She had to be. Um, this is... You didn't know that? No, I didn't. I didn't tell her, no. Um, it's a really uh, beautiful location. And um, over Christmas, we had a really good break. Um, I had a nice break. Um, everyone got sick, which wasn't good, but I didn't. It's kind of, like, kind of good. Um, did the usual things, rest a couple of weeks off. Um, and uh, the good thing about this film is probably also the fact that the next morning I had this really long line and an entire week and a half ahead of me off work uh, really helps. Um, took two of the kids. Um, my son is only really just about old enough, so he's kind of excited by that, kind of bending a rule somewhat. Um, uh, and uh, met some other friends there, made it even better, had a chat, saw the film. Really, really fun evening, really good. Um, and uh, it's just fantastic to see these really cinematographic, whatever you call them, locations uh, in this really big HD screen, really beautiful um, place. And this is a real place. This is off the southwestern tip of Ireland. Um, it's a real island, real island off Ireland. And uh, it's actually got a lot of history. It's called Skellig Michael. And in the 6th to 12th century, these monks, um, as the Roman Empire collapses, and uh, they are sweeping across Europe, just literally destroying the cities and all of the cultural artifacts that the Romans brought in um, is into the Dark Ages. Uh, uh, these monks take precious things, scriptures, uh, books, and they become, uh, make a base on this island where they are going to preserve but also expand Christianity. It's like a retreat, but it's also a base for the advancement of Christianity. Uh, and uh, you can go visit it, all of the location, even though the buildings in the film are real, and uh, they're actually there. It's a crazy place to live, but so beautiful when you see it. And uh, in the film, so in, in the film we're in now, uh, every boy's hero, Luke Skywalker, is on this planet, Achtu, I don't, I don't do that thing, I, I don't know how you say that. Um, and whereas the monks have this really noble aim of preserving the faith and making this a base for the future, uh, Luke's kind of got this different name. He's, he's a bit of a, a broken guy. Things have not gone well. Uh, his protege has turned to the dark side against him. Um, he is full of devastation. He thinks there's so many personal failings that have, have really stolen his joy, and he isolates himself. He goes off to this island, isolates himself there with the ancient Jedi texts in this tree thing, and uh, he is determined that he will be the last Jedi. No joy, self-imposed suffering in many ways. Go watch the film, no spoilers. Um, so if you've not watched the film, you've read the passage. And uh, what is the message? The message that Paul has for us is that joy is not just available in the good times. We all have the good times. Joy is available despite the bad times, despite our circumstances. And to explore that, we're going to look at uh, two things. We're going to look at Paul's reasons for current and future joy, and then we're going to look at the things that steal our joy, things that steal our joy. So, history is kind of interesting, but what about Paul? Paul is isolated, he's suffering, he's in prison, we know that from the text, so he's splattered through the text. And uh, what is he thinking and experiencing? 
If you cast your mind back to our series on missional, Acts 16 was where he founded the Philippian church. It's a very powerful passage with these amazing miracles and outstanding things that were going on. The Holy Spirit is powerful. Um, He turns up, well, first of all, he has a a vision, um, the man of Macedonia. Um, He follows this vision, travels with his companion Silas and Timothy. They arrive at um, Philippi on the way, meet Lydia, who is some kind of believer. She is converted Uh, All her household, she's very affluent, puts them up, and the church is founded in her house. They go out into the city. They see this girl. She is a slave being abused because she has some kind of spirit of divination, tells the future and things. Uh, They pray for her. She's released. The Holy Spirit is powerfully working in the community. Uh, From her release, this angry mob, uh, the, the kind of the guys who own her and are exploiting her, get angry. They go out and they stir up massive trouble big riots, literally a riot. Uh, They are thrown in the prison, hanging out in a prison, singing, praying. And then there's a supernatural earthquake. The walls fall. The jailer is desperately afraid because he knows his life is ended the moment the prisoners escape. And Paul says, wait, believe in God and you will be saved. He's saved. He takes them home. And then All his family are saved, and he washes their wounds and restores them to health. And they are free to go on. Somehow, they're released from prison. And uh, it says here in Acts 16.31, Then immediately, talking of the jailer, he and all his household were baptized. He was filled with joy because he had come to believe in God. He and his whole household It's just a tremendous story of powerful work of the Holy Spirit in bringing deliverance and joy to a community. What an amazing experience to have been there and in these times full of great joy. Paul looks back on that and uh, it must be a tremendous, uh, rich experience for him. Now, flip side, prisoner. Verse 7 in 1, he's arrested, false charges in Jerusalem, Absolute maximum security prison. This is Caesar's guard. This is maximum security prison. Verse 13. Four and a half year ordeal it took to get here. Prison to prison to prison. Uh, That's Acts 21. Beaten, shipwrecked, snake bites, denied ample food and water, imprisoned at his own expense, which meant that often he had nothing and would have very little to eat. Acts 28. And if there's a darker thing in in the passage where he is turning over the very real possibility of death. You read it, you can't escape that. And that is because he faces execution. Uh, It could be uh, within weeks, he could suddenly be before Caesar, executed and dead. His vision and passion for that church building, the people he loved and had nurtured and grown in the faith, those churches he had planted, more work to do such a vision and a passion, and this man was so suffocated and placed in such a brutal place. He needed courage for the future. That word, he says, he needs sufficient courage for what he faces ahead. Why did joy turn to pain and suffering? Where is the power of the Holy Spirit? He writes to the jailer. The jailer must be thinking, The the jailbreak thing, you know, that earthquake? Where is the power of the Spirit 
in what is seemingly a hard place. Contrast. Acts 16. The power of the Holy Spirit at work in the extraordinary. Amazing, extraordinary events. Philippians. Paul is writing the power of the Holy Spirit in the very, very ordinary. Paul is physically bruised and beaten by his circumstances, but infectious joy pours out from where he's at. The power of the Holy Spirit in the very ordinary, the ordinary experiences of our life, often and sometimes hard. Philippians 18, I will rejoice, yes, and I will continue to rejoice in all times. So Paul's lesson is that joy is not found just because of good circumstances. I hope we have many rich experiences of friendship and whatever else like Paul has enjoyed. But joy can be found despite circumstances. It's easy for the Philippians to associate God's joy with dramatic deliverance from problems. We will want that, deliverance from our problems, our issues. But what about being delivered in the middle of your problems? Right in the middle of the difficult stuff. You see, there's a question on God's sovereignty and your belief for his plan for your life. Do you think for a moment that God's plan for your life is blown off course by any event, anything that happens to you? Bad or difficult events, suffering that occurs... Paul is very, very fast to encourage us that God's plan is very, very much at work, despite what it seems. He says this, verse 1, verse, 1, verse 12. Now I want you to know that things are not always what they seem. What has actually happened to me has brought about the advancement of the gospel to places I never imagined I would get to. The palace guard, maximum security prison... What's more, before I was speaking and it was a hard schedule, now I'm taken off the scene and there's all these guys, some of them are ambitious to step into my shoes, good motives, bad, real mixture, but look, there was me, now there's all these people preaching the gospel and for that I am so thankful, I rejoice. God's plans are never blown off course, he is sovereign. And when it comes to the personal journey we have with him, there are ups and downs, but we're not blown off course for God's plan for our lives. 1 verse 6, being confident of this, Paul's confidence for the Philippians as they partner with him for the gospel. Notice that they are walking consistently with him, being confident of this, that he who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion. Until the day of Christ Jesus. Confident. Prophetic for his own life and his readers. Partnership with the sovereign God of the universe means that despite any circumstance, he will complete his plan for you. God is a completer finisher. You always want to be on a team with a completer finisher because they finish the stuff and get it done. 
And it's a moment of turning in this passage in verse 18, halfway through, where Paul has expressed his joy in the current and how it's not what it seems. And it accelerates and launches him into the future. Philippians 18b into 19, and because of this I rejoice. Everything that's in the current, all the bad stuff, he rejoices. Yes, and into the future I will continue to rejoice. For I know that through your prayers and God's provision of the Holy Spirit, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Future hope. Two things in there. Coming on the back of a series on prayer, we immediately see the rich impact that that prayer partnership the Philippians had with Paul was reaping in Paul's life. The mighty Apostle Paul drew strength and encouragement from the prayers, the consistent prayers of those that were partnered with him. He was not alone on that journey. Who was supporting him? Who's supporting us? What are we doing to support others? How is our prayer life? Don't forget what we looked at before. That was their partnership. Secondly, what of these situations of suffering, sometimes long, hard? Paul had every expectation of deliverance. Joy for the future is rooted in a God who delivers. He does and he will deliver it. It's a consistent experience Paul had had of him. And this section now is very candid. It goes into like a thought process as Paul works through the outworking of his possible death. Quite a a hard event and a hard thing to turn in his life. And you see this odd language and expressions that he goes into a very, very rich source and depth in his person of who Christ was to him. He identified so richly with him, with the suffering Christ had had, recognizing that life will not always go the way Paul thought it might or wanted it. He drew confidence that God's plan was God's sovereign plan. He wasn't always going to know it, But he was going to walk it, and it saturated and was all of who he was. He had a great depth of experience in his personal relationship with God. Joy is not possible unless we find all our meaning in Christ. A very intimate, personal relationship with him that comes across in the letter. The God who created and formed our lives and breathes into it, is the source of joy. For Paul, this is my study Bible, for Paul's life found all its meaning in Christ. Simple. So the question is really what steals our joy. And uh, if you do this kind of thing, you turn these passages over in your mind as you just prep. And uh, over a couple of weeks, uh, I've been back kind of in the throes of beginning some new projects at work, get busy, um, I've got a, quite an interesting project I'm looking at at work. I'm quite looking forward to getting into it, uh, kind of motivational, you know. And uh, as I think a couple of weeks back, we'd had a moment in the office of a bit of banter and some things happened. 
And uh, I did something quite spontaneous, kind of off-cuff, just left it, you know, it's just the things you do, um, conversations. And that weekend it played on my mind, um, kind of ignored it, so, yeah, okay, um, yeah. Tuesday night, I think, I sat, in, uh, sat down before bed and I read a, a paragraph, uh, well, about four pages, five pages in my book I'm reading. It's a kind of book I haven't quite finished from uh, Holiday, Stephen Covey's book on trust. We're doing it in work because we do work very heavily, Matrix, globally spread out, a lot of interactions we have. And trust is very important to the way in which we work, trusting people you work with, those relationships you had. And... Uh, it really nailed the thing I'd done, and I realized it could have been misconstrued another way. And uh, it, it kind of, yeah, okay. The thing I'd pushed to the back of my mind off the weekend came back and hit me between the eyes a bit. I put the book down. And uh, I think Wednesday in the office, I, 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 was, I was really busy Wednesday, obviously, and I didn't tackle this thing because um, I was way too busy, right? <laughs> we get busy. Um, the half hours I needed to do other things when I was free. Friday came. I prepped my sermon pretty much. And I just had this word on my heart, bitterness. And you look at Paul in that situation. Look at what people are doing to him. Even preachers, preaching the gospel, but making it hard for him. People who are saying they're right and have got the truth. How do we feel when people do things to us that cause us resentment, bitterness, anger? How do we react? Does that steal our joy? Does that rob us of our joy? What steals your joy? I had a humble moment because uh, I put a Skype call in this person's diary and I phoned him up and I said, um, Hey, how's, how's things? Had a chit-chat, lots of changes going on at work. I was able to kind of chat about these things for about 10 minutes and then it dries up and uh, I kind of, on the pretense of catching up, then it's like, um, actually, you know, um, that conversation and those things and uh, that time, week back in a bit, you know, I don't know if you might, I just wanted to say, actually, I, I feel a bit bad. I want to apologize. Um, humbling moment. Uh, but that person opened up to me and gave me some context for their life, the things going on that they were thinking through and were happening for them. And uh, a lot of stuff poured out that I realized how much that was not a good thing that had happened and the way it had gone. And I was, I was pleased for what I had done. Uh, not the f- most fun thing, but uh, I'm really confident that the relationship I have with that person goes from strength to strength. And I did what I, I did because it was the right thing. No regrets at all. We have to be so sure we don't steal someone else's joy. Maybe you're not going through a hard time and you sat comfortably through what I've said. But equally, maybe I haven't this last week. But what are you doing when you see someone else who doesn't have joy? What are we doing and how are we acting around others? It's easy to have our joy stolen, but it's easy to steal someone else's joy. 
John 10, 10, the words of Jesus are this. The thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. My purpose is to give you a rich and satisfying life. It's easy to have joy in the good times, but it's easy to have our joy stolen from us in the hard times. There is a sense of active participation we take in preserving our joy. Our prayer life can pray deeply into the things that hurt and harm because the thief will destroy and steal your joy in a moment because of something that's happened. Paul felt every emotion, courage, 120, sorrow, 227, tears as people turned against him, 318, anxiety for the future, 228. There's not an emotion lost on Paul, but he is so active in engaging, but also counteracting. He actively works his joy. Rejoice, I say. Again, I say rejoice comes later. A command that we preserve our joy as well as dig deep to receive more. It's easy to have joy in the good times. But it's easy to have our joy stolen in the hard times. We need to dig really deep into God's promises and his goodness for us. That is very personal. You need to dig deep with God in your prayer life and in praying and partnering with others to find a great source of joy despite all circumstances. Thank you. Amen.